Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Who wants to start it? Shona, do you want to start it? Sure. Well, since it's we just had Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up, our topic um, has become about gratitude, but not the sappy kind of gratitude, <laughs> and um, relationships. Um, so I did a little thinking about relationships Um the first thing I think of when I think of relationships is a triangle and um, like you have you on one side and then another person on the other corner and then you have kind of the awareness behind the two on the other corner. And I've always just really liked that image um, with any kind of relationship and how powerful it can be when you're both committed to like being in that awareness together, but also being like kind of doing the dance of the two separate beings, but then also like being in the one sort of awareness or one relationship makes sense. So um, I, I guess that's, it's a little easier to do when you're both sort of on that same level um, and harder to do maybe just with uh, like surfacey relationships or other kinds of relationships. I don't know. I, I guess I just wanted to open the discussion with that. Um, and also talk about like what it's like to get together with family over the holidays and, um, you know, it's kind of a time of love and getting together and reunion, but it also can be time of like stress and travel and um, 
maybe like uh, differences coming up at the dinner table. So I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts about those topics? Well, I I didn't think about how gratitude and relationships exactly go together until you said that, that what you put in the space between you could be gratitude or something else. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, it's amazing how triangles like can come up so often and, and how um, they're symbolized in so many different ways. And we talk a lot about the drama triangle uh, oh, yeah. We can also use that same that same construct as I like two people on either side, and then the top is that awareness portion. I haven't heard of that, so I like that. Um, and how yeah, each yeah. of that awareness has to change depending on which type of relationship you have, or which which people your that triangle is associated with. Um, uh, and where they're at in their life. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's like the two people and your separate beings. And then, but then it's the one relationship behind mm-hmm. it. And then I think like with a relationship that is more aware, you can kind of dance between the two where you're, your separate being and you have your own needs and preferences. And I, I think we get to, we, like, why do we have relationships, like, on the separate level? I think it's to, like, fulfill each other's needs to some level. Like, I think you get, you start a relationship with somebody, you're like, I, you fulfill my need for um, not being lonely, or you fulfill my need for having this certain kind of relationship or, um, I don't know. We all have so many preferences that, but it's like, okay, then how do you go bounce back from, from that to then practicing just being more in that like oneness, um, oneness versus separateness. It's like, I guess it's both. And you can kind of, if you're aware of both, you can be in both. But I think a lot of times, sometimes we're more aware of like, we get together and we might feel that oneness especially in romantic relationships where everything is wonderful and you feel like one. And then, and then you start to identify more and more with your ego and your separateness and your needs. You're like, well, he doesn't fulfill this need. This person doesn't fulfill this need. And so then we end up just separating. Um, But it's like, yes, we can be aware of that because it's, we're human beings. We have needs, but then being able to like work through that and then also come back to the, um, I don't know the awareness behind it um, or the the third part of the triangle which is like the relationship Richard Moss actually teaches about this okay I think I heard this concept from Ram Dass so it must be like kind of a universal like yes thing. I'm no expert in it but I'd love to hear yeah. well we are we are experts in our own relationships trying to live it and I'm not an expert in it either. I I just think of my own relationships where, you know, that the space between us and what's in that space and um, wanting it to be la la la. 
Right. So I'm not sure if you're talking about that when we're in that awareness, is that when I, I feel the love, but if my partner is unhappy, now I'm in there, everybody's in their ego. Um, and I would think I'm learning that when my partner is, ha- you know, having his stuff, his feelings, which might not be all lovey-dovey, to let them be there and let them be in the space and not need to make them better or not need. Uh, I, I think sometimes I make it about me. I'm like, well, oh, what can yeah. I do to make him feel better? Or did I do something wrong to make him feel this way? Yeah. So. yeah Cause you idealize this space for being full of love and instead of, huh, you know, the space today is full of negativity and, depression so yeah it's gonna let it be there and not try to make it better uh or antagonize it it's interesting and unlike in what i'm thinking of is because like with my romantic partner like we have a really really good communication system and yeah it's not perfect like we're gonna have days that are more stressful and more um difficult than other days um but we we're both at the emotional maturity level at the same place. Um, I remember before I met my current, my husband, um, both my ex before him, I was, when I was going through that breakup and I was going through um, counseling, you know, the, the counselor was like, like your emotional maturity is like here and your willingness to go like deep is like here. Right. And the person you just broke up with, like could only go six inches deep, right? Like you could go six feet deep. Right. So we have to find someone romantically that we can get to that point. Um, And of course, when she told me that I'm like, I'm screwed forever because (laughs) stereotypically, (laughs) you know, there um, are not a lot of people, especially men who can get to that point. Um, but you know, you want to call it the universe, you want to call it fate, like whatever. Like I did find my equal in, in that reciprocal, uh, way, um, at that depth level, which is, I I can't explain it. Right. And then you can also take that same concept with like non-romantic partners. Like I have noticed that that is harder for me in relationships in the family and at gatherings, just because, the work that I have done and just my, my, um, my being as a person can get to that level and can think about critically think about all the things that are going on. And, and I can state my my boundaries and my problems that I have and my difficulties and I'm still struggling with, but doesn't mean that the person that's my cousin or my aunt like has that same ability. And that I think is extremely difficult um yes. because my husband and I can like easily talk about like I literally after Thanksgiving um I was reflecting obviously of like what happened and like what how I was feeling and I like just like plopped on the bed and I like started crying uh because I really wanted to not be the fixer um because that has been my role from the time I was young was I fixed everyone's problems um, by doing something in order to fix that problem. And I really didn't want to be that role this this time. 
and I ended up doing that role and I was like upset at myself that I like even though I was aware of it I still allowed it but then you know Kurt was like well now you can actually like instead of you thinking two days later like oh why was I so sad or why was I so angry he was like well you were in it right and you knew at that point like what you were doing and now we're reflecting and like now we just again try again the next time and so it is so it's it's really different the two aspects I think and even Shona too you're like you and your partner are very much at that awareness and healing journey and and stuff and yeah, that level. and I would say Sarah too like Mm-hmm. Jeff is pretty at that point too, so uh, we're very lucky oh. in that in our in our romantic relationships. Here's a mind bender. So um, we were before we started the recording. I was saying, so I ran a fever this week, and um, in Ayurveda, those are like seen as good. And like you said, Shona, your you know your mom's old school wisdom is running a fever. You let it run its course; it's burning off. Stuff. Don't take medication if you can help it. So there's this hypothesis that the th- that the the reason I ran the fever is like from 40 years ago, and right. So where was I 40 years ago? I was you know in my patterns of overdoing um, the newness of my relationship with my husband, where we were still trying to figure things out. And that's where there was some of the depressive behavior, monitoring, um, different, you know, things in our relationship that were not helpful. All of those showed up while the fever, yeah, as the fever progressed. And I'm like, wow, is relationship, are there ways that we use relationship that prop up our ill health? too. I, I was wondering that the way we got through it was I recognized what I was doing and didn't engage my, in my behaviors, in my old behaviors. I mean, I, I did a little, I saw what I was doing. I pulled back and I just like, okay, I can be loving. And I, the antidote was gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot to just be, be get to that awareness stage of, mm-hmm. of not just living your life and just living your uh, ego roles with everybody. And then it's like, oh, you reach a certain level of awareness of, oh, hey, like I'm the fixer. Interesting. Or like I, um, I tend to like avoid or... Uh, people and if I get triggered or like and then you become aware of it and then and then that's the next hard thing is to like actually do something about it and like not be that thing is I think is even harder um and then like Chrissy was saying it's even harder if you're in relationship with somebody whether it's your romantic partner or like your cousin who is not who is at a different level of awareness. Maybe they're not even aware of their roles that they play or they're not willing to, or maybe they're aware, but they're not willing to change. Um, And then how do you still love that person or still like be in that person's life without like, then what do you do? (laughs) My go-to is to just like run away or avoid that person. Um, But then 
I'm like, well, that's not the answer either. Um, maybe it is sometimes, <laughs> but not always. <laughs> so as, as if, it's as if there's an energetic signature that we have that we we like to plug in, harmonize with other people on that signature. Hmm. And it comes in the form of per, like like in your case, Chrissy, helping others. Like, how are you going to engage if you're not helping? Mm-hmm. Um, humans exist because we we got together and helped each other out. <laughs> well, that's it's it's interesting too having this conversation now as well because I if you watched sixty minutes last night, um, it was about um, the evolution of domesticated dogs and how they were they started off as obviously wolves and that there must have been a pack of wolves that found survival through humans. And um, so, and that's how they were able to domesticate them. And then there's a specific set of genes for dogs that are chromosome six that are similar to chromosome seven in humans. And it's like this friendliness like gene where, um, like in order, so they were just they were, their comment was about how it's not so much survival of the fittest, it's survival of the friendliest, hmm. um, and how we can all get along. Because uh, they also had mentioned how there were at one point a few hundred thousand years ago, there was five different types of species, like human species, and how did the Homo sapiens were the ones that like became the dominant only human species. Um, and it must have been this friendly gene on the chromosome seven, right? That like ended up evolutionary adapting to like survival. Um, so I think that's also part of it too, is like we have these roles because keeping the peace is like ingrained in us as well. Um, so finding balance between keeping the peace to make the pack, you know, feel, feel able to survive, um, but we live in a world that we don't have to like fight other like for day-to-day life. We're not fighting for our survival and we have grocery stores and we have, you know, delivery and like all that kind of stuff. So we're not necessarily our true basic day-to-day survival isn't part of it. But I thought that was interesting. Like yeah, at any point, like is there expectation of, of not having those roles that we find distressing um, because it is maybe like where we can meet, meet the shadow and the light, right? Go together at that point. Um, well, if that makes sense. Fascinating. Yeah, we do need community and relationships to survive. I think just even having had a baby, like I definitely needed family, and literally to survive. Um, so yeah, it's like it's, you're right. The more people we have connections to and friends with, and there is a survival mechanism to that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and, and now I'm thinking about, you know, it is important to help, but when is it too much help? And when is it at the, at the allowing the, not negative, but the maladaptive, mm-hmm. um, relationship or the maladaptive survival tactics right like you know that survival tactic was born out of 
necessity to help me feel better and to fill a need in other people's lives. But at some point, like, I also have to trust people that they also know how to survive and <laughs> they, you know, and that they also know how to uh, do the thing without me needing to take over kind of a thing. So I think that's also where it comes back onto me where now it's maladaptive in my life because I, I assume that you need the help. And so I'm like one, not thinking good of you. And also I'm, I'm trying to help myself feel better, um, which is both two not appropriate things to think about survival as well either. So at that point, it's more ego, right? Not survival. Right. Well, then, and how do you know when it's not right for you? Like what at the end of the weekend made you feel like you, you didn't do helping in a positive well, way? Because I, I, I think for myself, I, I assumed that I, I stepped in because I thought I knew better, right? Which it was is a little bit different. Um, and also I didn't feel good because like, like people before I would relish in the validation of my helpfulness. Right. <laughs> and then when I heard other people, you know, thank me for it, I was like, oh, actually that doesn't feel very good uh, because I, I did it in my, e for my ego, not for truly wanting to help, you know, the situation or something like that. So I think that's why this time it felt different than other times, which is a sign of healing. Yeah. Um, I think I feel like frustrated, foggy, and exhausted if I like fall into and play out my roles. Mm. I think, yeah. It's like when you start to become aware of it, you start to not be good. <laughs> the maladaptive like roles right like yeah we all do have roles that we all have to true, live true. by in some capacity and it's the ones that we realize like we're created out of scarcity or fear or yeah, yeah. something like that then that's when we're like oh that's not the role that I want to have you know usually deep-rooted and maybe trauma or childhood or different yeah. family roles and I think that's why like around the holidays it's like getting to there's a, a, a quote by Ram Dass that's like, if you think you're enlightened, go hang out with your family for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's just so easy to fall back into those roles that you are deeply embedded since childhood. And, mm -hmm. and if, you know, you, not everybody is on that level of awareness. It's just really hard to like work through it. Um, and there's, I think I have a lot of like resistance to working through it. It's taken a while. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then it's just a matter of like how, like how, and then too, like you can't, you can only change yourself. Like you can't change the other person on the other end of it um, that you're in a relationship with. So you can sort of suggest it, but letting go of them ever changing is hard too. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they, I think with, I was so grateful my parents lived long enough that I could grow up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it only took me till I was like 50 something. But uh, I remember um, like my counselor, what, you know, I, she would get, in the beginning, she gave assignments 
and I'd come in and like, well, did you do that assignment? Well, no, I didn't have time. Well, so here, here's the book, right? So we'd be sitting in the room together writing, um, just trying to drive home the point that the homework's important. And one of the things she would do too then is also start a session with just sitting in silence for Hmm. five minutes. And um, that I had a lot of meditations on. I'm paying money (laughs) to sit Uh Right. I can still remember I was visiting my um, parents and um, my mom had this pattern where we would have a a great visit and then somewhere around um, day three, something would go wrong. And uh, day three, it happened and I, I saw it long enough to stop and breathe. And I had all these internal reactions of fear and then anger and I could see it. And then I felt like I was, you know, five again and locked in my room. And um, not that my parents did that a lot. They were good parents. But, um, that, but that stopping and breathing and feeling my own reaction And so I watched my mom go off on and do her part of the spiral. And I just didn't take the ride with her. And as the years went on, the less I took the ride with her, the less she took the ride. Mm -hmm. And, but even in her last year, she would say things to, to try and ignite the fire because it's just a, it's just a pattern we run. Right. And, uh, and I don't think she meant it on purpose after a while. I, you know, I, I don't think she was aware of what she was doing and gosh, it does come back to gratitude. I was, I just learned to be grateful for what my mom, her good intentions and the many good things that she did do. Yeah. You know, and not let the other stuff overshadow that. Um, that makes me neg- think like, even I think, when I'm like in my best self, I can see, like you said, it would be gratitude. Like I can be grateful for that and also grateful for them for bringing out my reactions, I guess, because it's like, mm-hmm. then they become my greatest teacher. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. the universe is sending this person or like this situation to me so that I can become aware of it. And so that I can not just dive into it, but so I can step back and breathe. And then, and then that's how you shift it and change it. And I, I guess I, I, love that. I think about that in terms of like anybody or like any like politician that I dislike or something that, oh, they're really, they're really getting to me. Um, they're really bringing out my anger and I can stop and breathe and be like, oh, thank you person for... <laughs> like triggering me like I obviously still have work to do here and then I can do my like internal work on it or my work within the relationship with this person or and I that definitely comes from a place of gratitude yeah Um, that takes a lot of of growth and a lot of effort to switch it there and again I need to practice that still more of that silence and 
reflecting first before doing. Um, and that's where both of you, what you just said, come into that play of yeah. maybe I can make it more tangible of stopping, breathing, saying my gratitude for the situation that's happening. And then I can proceed from there. Um, that's more tangible than just walking away right. or trying to fix right. it right away. <laughs> well, and, and feeling the crud. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like um, I, I can remember, you know, times of just shaking so bad, like physically shaking because of what I was feeling in relate in relating to someone else. And, and, you know, being able to sit with those kind of emotions that will sicken you. And I guess when we talk about, um, you know, not sappy gratitude, sappy gratitude covers right over the that crap. And I'll just, you know, shove it deeper and pretend everything's <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead of just like sit there in it and watch myself be self-righteous and afraid of being judged and <laughs> being uh, not the best one or, you know, the one that's achieving the most, you know, which, which sounds really arrogant, right? Even as I say that, um, you know, just with my sitting with my own ugliness and um, that the, that before I step to gratitude, um, because the the world is what just a great big mirror of us. So you know, it's like it's interesting you bring up the politic because hmm. it is pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, all the the hatred and division or. Um, yeah, yeah. Or even like, I, I, because being sick, I tried watching movies and shows. Oh my gosh. There are some really awful things in the collective psyche. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like thinking, that's so important. I feel like to, like you're saying to let yourself feel what you're feeling because I think that that's one of the things I do is I just shove it down because I want to put on this facade of like, I'm cool. Like I'm good. You know, don't it's, yeah, it's embarrassing to feel some of those feelings sometimes. Um, and I just want to come off as like being more enlightened than I really am, I guess. Um, and so, but it's like, oh no, like I am human and I'm in this body for a reason and I have these feelings for a reason and like it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to have set boundaries, um, which I think I don't do a great job with either because um, that kind of goes with just sort of ignoring my feelings um, to be considered chill. <laughs> um, so that is really hard work to just let yourself feel and even let other people see yourself feel. And then, but then I guess stay in the awareness while you're feeling at the same time. It's like the fever. It's like the, but it's an emotional fever. And the only way to burn it off is to not feed it or damp it. Cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You just got to breathe it. Mm, and what a full circle moment there. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And then be grateful. And yeah. say thank you. Yeah. Thank you, fever. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, you know, doesn't this come back to you with the Buddhist principle of and maybe this is also in Ayurvedic principles of of you know, there is suffering in this world and uh we and that's I think what religion is has been created for in order to understand why there is suffering, and and the and we have to understand that suffering is such a it, the spectrum is so big, right? Like having a fever, a physical actual physical fever is suffering, um, mm-hmm. and we use uh, like we said NSAIDs to dampen it because it doesn't feel very good. Um, and or we use, you know, addiction or arguments or or stonewalling or, you know, there's so many different things that we can do to dampen that suffering. Um, and I even brought that up <laughs> at uh, one of our family things on Saturday. And I think my level of what I was interpreting suffering as was much, much deeper than what they were talking about. But yet, you know, I had mentioned like, you know, why why is it that we always have to suffer you know, in relationships and in uh, career and in, uh, you know, whatever other now we want to think of right now. So, um, but that is part of the human experience. And so it makes me feel like too, like as women and having our periods, that's Mm -hmm. suffering. And that's another area where we tend to dampen it down or push through. Um, And it's like, I don't know, there's some there with a certain kind of level of awareness i guess you can find uh truth in suffering somehow we live on a planet that's got suffering in it life is suffering we don't want to suffer we're like no 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 i don't want it <laughs> i want to feel yeah. good all the time of course i mean nobody wants to suffer yeah and then of course i think of the the po- the toxic positivity that people can have well we have to suffer in order to to uh enjoy the good stuff you know even harder or even more you know kind of a thing and can can we not can can't we just be okay with like both are are appropriate in our lives and that they're both equal and we don't have to suffer in order to feel good you know we just we can suffer and that be one statement and we can feel good. And that could be one statement. You know, we don't have to put them together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. We don't have to relate. We don't have to use one to, uh, as like a perspective thing. sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, That's an outside thing. That's a Richard Moss thing where he says, you know, in one hand, okay, you have the suffering and the other, you have the, good you know enjoyable and you drop them both mm-hmm. and that's the awareness then or without any story yeah yeah that's I guess what it comes down to is that story yeah mm-hmm. and i think all these truths can be like true right because like we're also so like we're having like two different conversations here like one is like we can have, we can, we have suffering on one hand and we have feel good on the other hand and we can drop it and be okay with neither. Right. 
And we've also talking about that when we don't feel good, we can then be grateful for the learning opportunities. And you know, it's even though they're they to me in my brain they seem contra- they're contra- contradicting themselves. Uh, but yet we can both have both truths, right? And depending <laughs> yeah. on our circumstances, right? Kind of, yeah. I guess that's true. You just dance back and forth between the two. So yeah. It's like the thing with a relationship triangle. You dance back and forth between being in your separateness and then being in the oneness. Like, yeah. Are you? Yeah. It comes back to: Are you being who you want to be, regardless of? what other people are doing yeah or what they're experiencing relationships a big one i think it's you know it's been an important part uh at the clinic and i think you guys carry carry it on you know that we grow through relationship um a lot quicker than you do by yourself trying to see your own nose I think that's something you said once, Sarah, was like being a body worker, you grow so much faster spiritually. Yeah, it was from a a book called uh, Putting on the Mind of Christ. I think it was written by an ex-priest. And um, it was like the first book I'm looking to see if I can see it. Yep, I see it. I'll find the author. it was one of the first books I read um, um, that was like, oh, this is finally talking to me. And I was trying to fit together Christianity with uh, what I was learning, you know. Um, the author's Jim Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N. And now I look and his foreword is by Ken Wilbur, who is a Zen theologian, who's Aww. also a very cool guy. And I don't know if I would still like the book. Um, but he, he just, it just spoke to me. He had so many references in it. Um, it was kind of the first thing I came across that was showing me the connection between the faith I grew up with and, and then just what I was learning through working with people and bodies. And so he had his email in the book and I, I, uh, I emailed him the, the subtitles, the inner work of Christian spirituality. And uh, he wrote me back. Wow. And he's, yeah. He's the one who said, yeah, um, body work takes people down the spiritual fa- path faster than others. And I think because you're, you are in an intimate relationship, you know, um, so a, a, not in a, you know, not a close intimacy, but at least a, a trusting, intimate relationship where people are telling you all their stories uh, when we work with the body. Plus then the body's talking, whether words come out of the person's mouth or not, it's that energetic signature. And I think that's what I've gotten very fascinated with over the years is it's not what people are saying. It's what what the, the energy that's created in that living body through their thoughts and their actions and their history. And it, these are these can be felt and we feel them, whether we can put it into words or not. 
Um, and they, they can be very disruptive when we haven't done our own work. So for new therapists, uh, well, and throughout, throughout one's career, I don't need to do it as much as I, I used to, but, you know, to take time at the end of the day and reflect back on what did I just, you know, what did I encounter today? And it, what sets me off and what resonates with me is that mirror of myself. These patients are only showing me parts of myself. And I think uh, certain patients show up on the schedule that I'm like, oh, there's a reason why this person is on my schedule. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They're sent mm -hmm. to me because they're this mirror on just on some level, <laughs> on some spiritual level. It seems to work out that way. Like I'll notice, oh, I'm having a lot of people with this sort of problem. Um, and it's good to like reflect on that and maybe think maybe there's a reason why. Yeah. And also, I mean, I do agree. I'm the five years I was at Therapy Solution, I think we're one of the rapidly, the most rapid spiritual growth I've ever had in my life. Mm. And I am glad that mm -hmm. I was at, with at Therapy Solutions <laughs> and with you, there and like everyone who was on that level of awareness, because I think it can be tough for new therapists who don't have that kind of support and are encountering these intimate relationships and being triggered and, and then not having a, um, uh, support. They get physically ill. We we used to make that, that joke about when somebody started working there and they, they're like, um, said, well, I'm not gluten-free and somebody else said, literally <laughs> said that to me. They were like, do you have any, it was Sarah, the other Sarah. She was like, do you have any gut issues? I was like, no. And then six months later, my gut issues started. <laughs> no one to blame but myself, really. <laughs> it's so true, though. <laughs> so I was, uh, I'm, you know, preparing to teach in Taiwan. And so I was trying to find information, you know, relate, try to make it relatable to their country. I came across a study looking at thyroid issues demonstrating that Taiwanese physicians have a higher rate of thyroid problem than the general population. Wow. And, and um, you know, in the article, they talked about the HPA axis, so the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is triggered with chronic stress leading to wear and tear on the body. And uh, that's what happens with that continually being faced in relationship huh. uh, of work with your own stuff. And um, I know back when I was uh, new in PT, the physical therapy journal released an article looking at the rate of fibromyalgia among PT, OT versus the general population and showed a higher rate uh, among the PT, OT population. So it's kind of this same thing. And then we get no training um, in how to how to engage that and it's not just about being a pt or ot it's it's just that we encounter it more closely more often in a day than maybe other professions i bet you counselors go through it nurses go through it and in this case doctors um mm -hmm. go through it you know because they are working with people's very intimate details of their life up close um 
and probably everybody does to some degree. It just not, you know, not as in, intensely maybe, but it still happens. Now what I'm thinking about is like, so you're a body worker, healer person, and then you get to this level of awareness of your body and you realize like you're getting triggered or your body hurts in this way or that way. And then you think, oh, I'm now I'm just way too sensitive of a person that I'm just going to quit. Like mm-hmm. I can't deal with all these so many people. And like I'm I'm too aware, I guess, is the attitude mm-hmm. I'm too sensitive. I'm a highly sensitive person. Like because I feel like I could have easily gone down that road. But I don't know. There is something that you brought to the table, Sarah, that was like, well, that's not really the way like you don't just quit and not work with anybody and go hide in a cave because you're too sensitive. Um, I don't know how I can't, I, I don't think I've quite gotten over. I think I'm still in that very highly sensitive stage with my gut issues and with my sensitivities around people, but it's like, but I don't believe that I need to just not be around people to survive. Um, so I don't know. I just thought yeah. it opened yeah, up. We, we need to learn to stand in the storms of emotion and um for some of us we're gonna feel it and this might sound weird but like one time I was in a workshop um and you know they're asking us to it was some I can't remember if it's Sedona method or something like that but they had us go outside and take a walk and we've been I, I could as I pass by people I could, it was like I was walking through emotional clouds. I could just feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Each person. Those are happening whether people feel them or not. I have to learn to stand in the cloud and, and not react to it. Um, mm-hmm. And choose what I'm going to make my cloud, regardless of what these other people are, are feeling or putting out. And that that's the trouble with for sensitive people, that's where we get over helpful because we don't like feeling what other people are feeling and we need to make them better so that we can be okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's full circle again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like we get over controlling. (laughs) Yeah. I like that cloud analogy though. And that, yeah, people will feel it no matter what. And I feel, oh, this person's sadness, oh, this person's anxiety, or, and it can get overwhelming, but not if, I guess, you just practice, like you said, like just being in your own cloud or your own space. Yeah. I think it really, I like try to imagine my roots like grounding into the earth or Mm -hmm. creating a sort of presence feeling. Um, I don't know. It's hard, though. It's hard. Yeah. Well, if we're enculturated to make others happy, then that's going to be tough instead of just be happy. That's, yep. Yep. That's true. My role has always been the peacekeeper and avoiding conflict and making, making sure everybody's okay. And I guess that's my, probably why I'm a PT. (laughs) You got to make sure everyone's okay. (laughs) and then I'm and then I'm okay and that comes out in like family gatherings and relation all relationships and that's the hard thing is like okay that's my those that's my um 
role that's not necessarily a healthy role. And so, yeah, making that shift is, is hard. And then, and then it's like, you start to make that shift and then people feel you shifting and they're like, wait, no, no, no. What are you doing? Why are you changing? <laughs> it was, that was exactly what I was going to say next is okay. like, you kind of get stuck in that role at times. And you, and I remember at times like where I stay in my role because I think it, it would be easier for me and for everybody to, to, uh, Cause like in reality, do I need to like flex my healing or my, or flex my like growth in this particular instance? Like maybe not. Right. Like I think one of like one of them, uh, my parents and I are going to, and my husband are going to be in Ohio for Christmas. And this is the first time ever that we put the boundary up of like, we are going to stay somewhere else and like not stay with family um, because staying in family houses is just op- like, and that is when we need to flex our growth, right? Like we need to show like, this is our boundary and we're going to stick to it for many different reasons. And we don't have to necessarily tell you all the reasons, just that we wanted a space for ourselves, Right. And then when you are maybe at the grocery store and we're trying to get things like as a group, like, I don't need to flex my growth there. I can like, like, I can just like, <laughs> go along with the plan because at this moment of time, it's going to be like, this is okay. Right. I'm not going to hurt myself or hurt other people because I'm, I'm update. I'm maintaining that role that does seem to help everyone function a little bit better. Um, so I do think that there's even like spectrum and, and, and fluidity between when our, our roles are okay or maladaptive roles are okay versus when they're not okay. Um, so maybe that's another another at least good thing knowing that growth is ever changing and ever happening and it doesn't have to be linear. It's gonna look different in everyone's lives differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you can do little things, like you know, very little things. I think yeah. one of the things I've been doing um, that my counselor recommended, but she was like, well you're not, you know, we're working on me not being here to just make everybody else happy. She's like, look at all the little decisions you make, like what clothes you're wearing in the morning and pick what you intuitively want at first. And then I've realized how hard that is, is like thinking about, oh, what this person will think if I wear this thing that I don't know. It's so interesting, even just making like tiny little decisions like that, or um, just going with what it is that I want, even if it might upset somebody else or, or um, create some sort of reaction um, in somebody else. And, but I think you're like, it does start with those little things that maybe you're not just full out stating, Hey, everybody, I'm not going to be this role anymore. Like, sorry. (laughs) Or having like a sit down conversation with your entire family. Like you can just slowly Brings us to a, another another good book called The Dance of Anger. Um, for a little while, it was a book I, that we said everybody who worked at the clinic needed to read. And the book is about how women um, handle anger. Um, I first read it when I was in my early 20s and I didn't understand it. And then I found it again, you know, like 25 years ago. And 
I'm like, oh, this is making more sense now. That at 25 years ago, um, she put out a new copy, a new edition, and, and the author, and she uh, she said she went back to see, well, what's changed in you know the 30 years since she'd written the book um, of, on how women handle their anger, and nothing had changed. <laughs> I still don't think it's changed. Um, but one of the things was as you try to change, then the people around you do this change back behavior. And the change back behavior can be like, watch out, it can be big. And um, and uh, sure enough, you know. <laughs> so anyway it creates a lot of anxiety. She talks about how it creates a lot of anxiety when you tr start to try and change. Mm. As, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we're, like we stabilize each other in a, um, that's why I like to call it the solar system. I, it's a solar system. Um, there's other analogies like that where we're, we're, we with the people around us have a, magnetic pull towards each other and we stabilize each other in our dysfunction or our function. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you're going to try and move out of the dysfunction, you know, hold on to your hat. Cause there's going to be a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So we have a lot of stories like that in pop culture of just the rebel or the person that goes against their family um, for the greater good or the person that goes with their, what they want to do and, you know, disrupts the balance. I think we like to play with that idea in our culture and then, but it is, it's, it is really hard. It's very unsettling, <laughs> mm -hmm. whether you're aware of it or not. Yeah. So it comes yeah. back to breathe and feel. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once you live on this level of awareness, it's hard to, you can't just, it's like, well, I can't just live in these roles anymore. Cause. Like, and there's like, there's a like little part, maybe a 1% where you're like, I want to like go back to being blissfully unaware, but we think it's blissfully unaware and no, like I much, much rather like understand why I'm ticking and understand why I'm behaving the way that I am than wondering what is wrong with me. Right. So right. I'm much rather, so I am back to gratitude again. Like yeah. mm -hmm. I am aware it's exhausting and mm -hmm. I have to take some of the superiority out of it too. Of like, <laughs> you know, like right. oh, I'm at this level that you aren't. And so I'm just going to have to like accept it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, take that yeah. out, take the ego out. <laughs> it's just constant revolving door. <laughs> yeah. That one day it's going to shoot out and then I'm into another revolving door. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the matrix? <laughs> oh yeah i haven't watched yeah. that movie i should probably watch that um i just understand the concept oh, of the matrix though <laughs> uh, i only have seen the first one but it's good I, yeah i like it's it's rather violent yeah but uh kind of stylized violence as i recall um but 
very good. Okay, well, we've talked about relationships and gratitude and how they yeah. are related. And I think we stayed away from sappy gratitude, which was our original goal. Yeah, I do like that. I think I'm, I'm even thinking like of how I want to, uh, how I want to name the episode. And I was thinking like, not your average talk about gratitude, you know, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. We didn't want to be like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. Talk about gratitude. I don't know. And, and I think it's important to know that, you know, we also are very thankful and very grateful for the opportunities that we have and the people that are surrounding in our life, whether it's people listening to this podcast, whether it's our family, whether it's the community Mm -hmm. at large, the physical therapy community, like healing community, all of it. Like, yes, we, we are not saying not to be grateful and have gratitude for those, those surface things as well. And, and, and also let's not be afraid to get, into the non-sappy gratitude too. Yes, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'll end with a, a story of this movie, a tr- of a true story. This couple that they went into China and um, I think they adopted kids or they helped, they built an orphanage, an orphanage or something like that. And then the guy, um, true story, he got um, tetanus and they couldn't get the medicine to him in time. And so in the scene where he's dying and his jaw is locked and he's so sad to be dying because he was so grateful for the life he had. And I'll, I'll never forget that. Oh my gosh. Mm. I feel like I have been given such a great life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I want to die like that. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, way off in the future. though. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. not like that that from but yeah so amazing oh you guys thank you thank you thank you you so much for listening to this episode our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them and now here we are if you are interested in more content we'll be releasing new episodes every other monday You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.